wanted to go look at a psalm this morning with all the things going on around us and didn't have a lot of time to spend in just sharing with the things going on in our lives, the lives of our church, the lives of those connected to the church, and things going on around the world, I thought it best to go back to think about the comfort we really have. Who do we have and all that God is? What do we do when our world is shaken? I don't know if any of you have been in an earthquake before. I had the strange, I'll say strange, I had the strange privilege of being in the L.A. Northridge earthquake. I say strange because it's a little strange to wake up hearing explosions and having the wall hit you. Um, I'm not exaggerating. You roll, when the earth rolls one way, you roll the other. But, you know, the, the adage in science, you know, the... For every reaction, there's an opposite reaction. For every action, there's opposite, however it goes. Uh, I study the word, not the science. Uh, so I rolled one way, so my, when the earth began to shift again, my body rolled the other way, and as I, the body was rolling the other way, the wall was there to meet me. And that's just a little odd to wake up in that fashion. The other thing that's a little odd is to see grown men who dwarf me in size. Uh, some of our sports players at our college running around in their underwear, underwear in utter chaos. These are grown men having no clue what to do. And they're like, and I'm like, get your clothes on. We are going outside. <laughs> and they're like, okay. There are all times in our life when things shake us to our core. And we just don't know what to do. To deny that is not really to be living in reality. We don't always feel comfortable. We don't always feel good. God didn't save us to feel comfortable in this world. One day it'll be that way where we have utter joy, complete happiness, totally fulfilled because of Christ. I'll never forget, you know, everything calm after I picked myself up off the floor, got people clothed and in the right mind, found a way out because the doors had been blocked because of the earthquake and things had fallen over and kept the doors from opening, so we had to climb through windows, um, which was funny because back then, masters had a, uh, a policy of screwing all the uh, windows, um, the screen shut. Uh, I just happened to not have a screen on my window because uh, it was getting repaired. So we all funneled out my first story room out into the lawn. But I, what I didn't realize is what it would take to get me back in the building. Getting out was easy. It didn't seem easy at the time. But when I, we got out into the field, we started to realize what was happening. 
you could see the fires in the distance from gas lines exploding, and we realized that all the freeways had collapsed, and we realized what had really happened. We began to kind of pick ourselves up. We began to rebuild and fix things, and we realized that the dorms were actually safe. But even though the inspector was there and inspected and tagged the building as safe, do you believe that I went back in? Do you believe that I slept there? No, I didn't. I slept in the parking lot in a car for a week <laughs> until the inside began to slow down. Still to this day, when, when I'm on a bridge and a truck drives across the bridge, you know what the bridge does, right? It, it shakes a little bit. I grip the steering wheel just a little bit harder, and I look around, oh, it's just a truck. (laughs) What do we do when our world is shaken? Our psalm that we read in Psalm 46, I mean, look at the picture that it gives you in verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. None of us had ever seen an earthquake like that. And think about the picture that the psalmist has just given us. God created everything. Six days he created, the seventh day he rested. He said everything was good. The picture that we are being described to us is a complete opposite of what God did in creation. It is the complete removal of creation. Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we don't know what to do with that. The picture that the psalmist gives us here is worth a thousand words, which I won't utter this morning and take all our time. But it's a picture of calamity in which the whole world is unmade. The stable mountains are falling into the sea. What once we thought was stable is no more. It's a picture of Genesis 1 reversed. And so this is the picture of, that, of the challenges that many of us face in our life. The psalmist is utterly reminding us of God's immense power to protect us against anything that would shake us to our core. The psalmist, his point is this, God can be trusted when the whole world goes crazy. Just watch the news. We can't trust the world. But the psalmist is showing us in a very dramatic way, we can trust him. I want you to notice in verse 1, the the whole idea here in the first two words. It would be fun just to preach on just these two words, but I won't. I would like to. But that is this. Look at the first two words. God is. Let that sink in. It's repeated in the psalm multiple times. 
God is. He, right from the beginning, the psalmist is showing us who God is. This, by the way, is a classic example of praying the attributes of God. It's singing the attributes of God. This is a prayer and a song of worship. Uh, The attributes as a way of moving faith to believe in the ultimate reality versus our present circumstances. You see, the trend is to read our present circumstances, especially when they're traumatic, as our final reality. But behind them and under them, around them, over them, is the greater reality, and that is God is. Think about that. It's a staggering statement to see God is. What that tells us, and it's not even in our points, but it tells us really three things, and these are the first three things I could think of when I was praying on the airplane on the way down to the conference. And that is this. It brings great certainty. God is. It's certain. It's not a, it's not a well, I hope it might happen. It will happen. What God, who God is. What God will do. How much God loves us. How much God is there for us. Everything that we see in this chapter God is. It's certain that He is all-encompassing and our circumstances are not. Our circumstances are finite. They're just a moment. They're fleeting. But God is. He's certain. Not only that, but we see in that statement of God is a great comfort. Think about the comfort that God is. Because the world isn't. (laughs) Our life always isn't. The circumstances always isn't all-encompassing. But think about the comfort of the fact that we have that certainty. He knows. God is, and He knows us. He knows our circumstances. Think about the great... To borrow the theme of our, the pastor's conference that I just came from, great clarity. <laughs> this is the year of 2020. Much of us don't have 2020. I see all the glasses out there. But God is clear. He is better than any glasses or contacts. He's better than any surgery you could have. He is. And that statement is so clear. God is, which means we can see beyond any devastation. Listen to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, that God is, to just set up this idea, and what we have because of Christ, and we can see that God is, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, God is, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast 
to the hope set before us because God is. We have this as a sure, God is, and steadfast anchor, God is, for our soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Because of Christ, we enter into the presence of the God that is. Without Christ, we don't have that. Let me just kind of put it in this perspective. There are over, I lost count on about 150 God is statements in the scripture. By the way, if you just do that study, go do the God is study. <laughs> it's kind of like the J.I. Packer knowing God study. Um, it took me five times reading that book before I got it. God is love. Right? God is spirit. God is the Holy One. God is the I Am. Which is, God is Yahweh. God is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. God is God Almighty. God is creator of the world. God is infinite. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is always, I like that, all caps, always present. God is unchangeable. God is Jehovah, the God who saves. God is everlasting Father, Abba. God is the author of salvation. Praise the Lord for that. If it was in man's hands, it would be incomplete and an utter mess. He is our maker. He is our heavenly father. He is the justifier. He is the one who gives us peace. He is the door by we enter into the presence of God. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the prince of peace. He is the lamb of God. He is the breath of life. He is the light. He is light. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the great shepherd. He is the head of the church. He is Jesus. He is the word. He is accessible. He is faithful and true. He is a sure foundation in an unshakable in a in a world that is shaken to its core. He is upholding all things by his word. He is the true light. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the truth. He is for us. I like that, Romans 8.31. He is faithful over his house. He is the ruler he is the Lord. He is our life. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer, our Teacher. He is the Healer. He is the Deliverer. He is our justification. He justifies us. He is our strength. 
He is our righteousness. He is our peace. He is our advocate. He is our faithful high priest. He is our bridegroom. He is our hope. He equips us. He completes the work in us. He is rich in mercy. He leads us. He's working in us. He is sufficient. He is wonderful counselor. He is faith, the father of mercies. He is God of all comfort. He is father of light. He is the father who does not change. He is the father of gifts. He is our resurrection. He is worthy of praise. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. The psalmist is pointing us to this amazing reality that God is. If you have notes, you can write these down. God is our sure refuge. I don't know if you noticed that, but he says, God is our refuge. I mean, if our world is shaken and the mountains are moving and everything's being tossed into the mixing bowl of the ocean, and for some of us, the mixing bowl of our emotions, our circumstances... It is a blessing to know that He is our refuge. Now, He isn't just making us a refuge. He is the refuge. This is a word which speaks of God making us secure, sure. Whatever you're going through in your life and you're just not sure, He is sure. To secure us, to defend us. He shelters us in Himself. He doesn't just make us a good shelter, He is the shelter of all shelters. He's not merely the provider of a shelter, He gave us Christ. He found a shelter suitable for us, to, for our sin to be hidden in, so we can have a relationship and to be secure. But the psalmist didn't stop there with that God is our sure refuge, but the fact that He is our stabilizing strength. He stabilizes Most of us think of a mountain as stability, or we think of great mighty columns of stability. I tell you what, those people that were driving on I-5 and and Highway 14 and Highway 118, the day of that earthquake, they found out that those columns, as stable as they looked, were not stable. Our world is not stable, our lives are not stable, but God is stable. 
the idea here of that it says that he is our refuge and strength, that he is strength. The word strength there is, is the picture of strong towers. We've sung some songs with talking about the strong towers. You've heard of people talking about strong towers. You may have heard of the Lord of the Rings and the two towers, but they all come toppling down. But God is our tower that never topples. There's nothing that can topple him. In the bygone age, that it was the source of strength. A good king. People loved their king when their king would build these towers to defend them from all onslaught of of raiders and people who would come and steal from them. And, and that's the picture of the psalmist is that our world steals from us, but our great and amazing King, the Lord of Lord, is our strong tower. And he built, excuse me, he built a strong tower that we carry with us in our life. You don't have to build a strong tower at work, a strong tower at home, a strong tower on the freeway, although you might want to watch out for people driving, especially these days. Uh, you, You don't have to build a strong tower all over the place because he gave us his spirit to go with us, to reside in us, to be our guarantee of his strength. Do you understand that if you read these verses There is no one that has strength against what the psalmist is describing except our God. The God that sent his son, the God who died for us to take our place, to pay for our sin, the God that came to reside with us that might help us in understanding, knowing him, being the guarantee of our salvation, to point us to Christ. He is our strength. This means that He is the one who is strong when we are weak. It's okay to be weak. We are weak. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be sad. That's why we have God. Because He is. It says in verse 4, there is a river whose strings make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. The psalmist also said, be planted by the streams of living water, right? That we might grow thereby. He is our stream. He also is a very present Satisfying help. He satisfies our soul. He's not just our refuge, our strength, because we are utterly weak, but He brings satisfaction to our soul. He is a very present help. In verse 4, He is in the midst of her. Even though everything is raging around here, come, behold the works of the Lord. Be still and know that I am 
God, the Lord is with us. He is our fortress. I like that the psalmist repeats that. The Lord of hosts is. You see all these is? The psalmist is trying to tell us something. What is being spoken here in this psalm is the Lord is especially near those who are greatly troubled. So in times of trouble, the people of God have the special nearness and care of their Heavenly Father. He is sure. He is stabilizing. He is satisfying. We see this in the psalmist writes in Psalm 23. As the psalmist moves through the way God is dealing with him in this shepherding psalm, Psalm 23, especially in verses 2 and 3, the psalmist speaks of God in the third person when he says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. It's all for His glory. He's doing this for us to glorify himself. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you, that is God, are with me. I pray that you will notice who God is. Because I have a feeling as as like myself and as many others, we take for granted the God that is. And I pray that he would be your strong tower, your refuge, your ever-present help in whatever we go through in life. May you realize the God that is. Lord, we come to you humbly Realizing that we are utterly and desperately weak. We can never get to heaven on our own. We cannot produce good works. There is no one good save you. God alone is good. We are not good. And it is simply because of that that we can never have a relationship with you. But you sent the messenger of all messengers, you sent yourself, your Son, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth, the one that beheld the very nature of God, to be our go-between, to satisfy all of your wrath, and you died for us. More importantly, you rose again, and you conquered death. And you have called us to that. You said, repent, turn from your life and believe, trust in me, the God that is, 
The God that has always been, the God that is now, and the God that will always be. And you say, trust me. And I pray, Lord, that even now there might be somebody here that you have not called. Or maybe they just aren't listening. That you're calling them and say, trust me, repent. Turn from your life and your sin and, and, and stop believing in themselves as good and their works as good. And they would say that I need that God that is, and that they would trust you, that they would believe in that gift that you have given us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And even though we sin, you provided a way for us to enter into this relationship, and that I pray that the Holy Spirit would call somebody right now. And that they would stop believing in this world and that they would trust you and get saved. I pray that as I'm praying and as we sing, that they would just call out to you, pray and just tell you that they need you. And Why? Because we are not good. Lord, none of us here are good. Even those that have a relationship with you, we are still not good. But Lord, thank you for who you are and that we discovered today in your perfect word. I pray that you would continue to do that work that you have promised and that we would look to you and look to that promise and that we would put even now the satisfaction of our soul in your hands that you would steady us and that we would smile in the midst of this fallen world because we know that we have a Savior. We have a Father in heaven who has deeply and loved us more than we can imagine. And would we cling to that at all costs? and worship you and proclaim you, not our life, but proclaim you as worthy. In Jesus' name.